Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and thank you for listening to Faith and Family. Today, I join many Catholics and the wider Christian community throughout the world, recognizing that the passing of Pope Benedict XVI is sad news for all those who love the Catholic faith. And today I'm going to be sharing with you some overlooked insights from Pope Benedict XVI. I've tried to really dig into one aspect that may not be covered hardly at all, and it's been my long contention that it's going to take years for the church, by the church I mean Catholics, uh, to catch up to Pope Benedict. I think he is further ahead on a lot of spiritual insights than maybe a lot of us would recognize. So I would encourage you, as you begin your New Year's resolutions to, you know, get in shape and to read more and do this and that, to read something by Pope Benedict XVI once a year. Uh, would it be a Wednesday address, get one of his shorter books, or maybe one of his longer books, but read something by him. It will be serve you well for time times to come. But today I'd like to focus on some very somber and unique insights from Pope Benedict. You know, any pope who begins his pontificate with these words, quote, Pray for me that I may not flee for fear of the wolves, unquote. <laughs> you have to know that a lot of a lot of eyes just kind of like popped open when they heard that the Pope saying, pray for me that I don't flee from the wolves. Well, who are the wolves that Pope Benedict spoke about and asked your prayers for? My guess he spoke about the very same wolves that Jesus warned about. It's recorded for us in Matthew 7 and verse 15. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Now, one of the ways you are bewaring of false prophets is to be aware, to recognize that this is a threat to the church, not just in the first century, but in every century. But beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So let's get this straight. Jesus, and I believe Pope Benedict right in line with Jesus, aren't talking about the hostile secular press. Obviously, they're like wolves and wanting to tear at various aspects of the Catholic Church, but that's not what he's talking about. Uh, Jesus and Pope Benedict aren't talking about a radical atheistic professor at some secular university, no or a militant pro-abortionist that hates uh, Catholic moral theology. No, he's talking about so-called Christian wolves that come into the church with sheep's clothing. In other words, the appearance of being a sheep, the words of being a sheep, but filled with deception. And wolves and sheep don't coexist this side of the new creation. 
they're predators, and they have an extreme risk for the very lives of the sheep. And this is what we're talking about. Now, Pope Benedict sometimes was so far ahead of us that he very graciously gave us hints. I call them hints, theological hints. And in fact, I think some of these have been coming from Pope Benedict, even from the days shortly after he was ordained when he was Father Ratzinger. And Father Ratzinger wrote that there was a neglected theologian in the early church, writing around 390 AD, and he started studying this early theologian called Tychonius. Now, I was teaching in my companion broadcast, radio broadcast and podcast, Luke 21 Radio, that covers biblical prophecy, and I was all excited to get into St. Augustine's City of God because I think it's just so fundamental for understanding biblical prophecy from a historic viewpoint, from a Catholic viewpoint, and a proper viewpoint. And so I was 100 miles an hour ready to go into the City of God, and I came across a statement that said, well, St. Augustine got the germ of his whole idea for the city of God from this theologian called Tychonius. I had never really read. I thought, well, I better stop, come to a very abrupt stop and back up just a little bit. He was just a little older and St. Augustine and his writings were fundamental for one of the greatest writings in the church. So I started looking into this Tychonius, who gave St. Augustine's his basic idea for the city of God. And if you want to see some of the background to that, in my Luke 21 episodes 264 and 265, I give that background. But Tychonius wrote a couple of things that were critical for this. He wrote a book called The Seven Rules, and these were rules for interpreting Scripture, for understanding Scripture. For those of you who know the fancy word for that, it's called hermeneutics, the science of interpretation of Scripture. And he laid out these seven rules, and then he wrote, using the seven rules, an exposition or a commentary on the entire book of Revelation that was used by the church for centuries, for centuries. Uh, at least four centuries, some people think longer than that. This was the primary uh, commentary on the last book of the Bible for centuries in the Catholic Church. And unfortunately, that commentary was extinct. We don't have the copies of it, but what scholars have recently done, it's like taking a puzzle. Since he was quoted so much over such a long time, scholars were able to reassemble, kind of like pieces of a puzzle, reassemble his commentary, and now the Catholic University of America has published uh, Tychonius's exposition of Revelation. It's just invaluable. It's a very expensive little hardback. It's $45, but the introduction in that commentary is just priceless because it really explained, at least for me, what 
Father Ratzinger and then Pope Benedict XVI were talking about when they talked about Tychonius. But here it is in a nutshell. In the city of God, St. Augustine's city of God, you had the city of God and the city of man, two different cities. And so to speak, mankind was divided into, from a Christian viewpoint, us and them. Us, the city of God, them, the people outside the church, uh, the non-Christians. Tychonius had a similar kind of outlook and wanted to explain what was going on with humanity, but he had a different division than St. Augustine did. Rather than simply the twofold division, city of God, city of man, Tychonius had that, but within the city of God, he also had a two-part division. In other words, Within the church, he said there was a left side and a right side, a dark side and a godly side. It was uh, this two-sided in the church. So in other words, rather than just two parts of mankind, which was the city of God, Tychonius, there were three parts, outside the city and then inside the city, there were both the true and the false, the left and the right. And for Tychonius, the bulk of Revelation, uh, the epistle of St. Paul to the Second Thessalonians, which is very critical, uh, which happens not to be in the United States lectionary, the critical part for Tychonius, and a huge chunk of, of other scriptures are describing a war, again, not with the secular pref. Uh, professors or the secular media or those wanting to persecute the church from the outside, but Tychonius, the way he is interpreting Scripture, that so much of the Bible is determining a war within the church. It's not the war outside of the church, but primarily the war in the church. And a number of scriptures start opening up when you get this. For instance, our first pope, St. Peter, wrote in his second epistle, St. Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Okay, the first pope of the Catholic Church says there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, and many will follow their licentiousness, and because of them, the way of truth will be reviled. In other words, it's some type of like sexual liberty liberation coupled with false teachings to lead people astray. But then there is a shock because I must admit, I have been reading the Bible kind of through the lens of the city of God, the us and the them. Whereas Tychonius, again, there's the us and the them, but within the us, there's two sides going on. And sometimes you neglect that. And I found there's several key sections of Scripture that mention this. Probably the most outstanding is the kingdom parable in Matthew 13 of the wheat and the tares. Tares are look-alike wheat. That's using another metaphor, sheep's, uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, okay? So Jesus told this parable, the wheat and the tares. 
Uh, man sowed good seed in his field while people were sleeping. Enemy comes and sows weeds or tares among the wheat and went away. And then the plants came up, and it was impossible to tell the difference between the two during the course of the kingdom age of the church. And Jesus uh, said, don't go pulling them up, because when you do, since they look so similar, you're going to yank the good ones up instead of the bad ones. He goes in verse 30 of Matthew 13, let both grow together until the harvest, and at that time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. In other words, this was Jesus's description of what would be going on in the church. And this is what pulled Father Ratzinger's attention to Tychonius describing that there's not only a division of mankind into the us and them, the city of God, city of man, but within the city of God, there's an us and a them. Uh, And then you find things like Jesus's warning in Matthew 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Now, those who are putting to death Christians are not going around saying, Lord, Lord. But Jesus says, not everyone who's saying, Lord, Lord, not everyone who claims to be a Christian shall enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, on that day, many, not a few, not two or three over there, but many will say to me, say to me, Lord, Lord. Saying, Lord, Lord is professing a Christian, looking like a Christian, but he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. And then you find other scriptures, like you get to the wise and foolish maidens in the Olivet Discourse. That was the teaching discourse on the Mount of Olives, the end times discourse of Jesus. And you had five wise and five foolish maidens. And the Foolish maidens were unprepared for the coming of Christ, and then they say, Lord, Lord, just like Matthew 7, and he says, I never knew you. Those who are professing, Lord, Lord, I never knew you, and they're outside. And then you have the sheep and the goats, the same thing. There's this division, not between us and them. So much of the Bible is talking about Yes, there is the city of God and the city of man, but within the city of God, there is this conflict. Now, anyhow, I was studying this with Tychonius, and I said, well, this is very interesting, but, you know, it's kind of a whole different way of looking at things. And then I discovered that Pope Benedict had studied Tychonius for a half century, 50 years, and... Uh, most people, like myself, who f- find out that Tychonius was a Donatist, a Donatist had separated from the professing Catholic Church at the time. And so I said, well, he's a Donatist. Whew, what does he have to <laughs> have to offer? But it wasn't quite as simple as that because Tychonius was excommunicated by a Catholic council, and he was also censored by the Donatists. And in other words, he was kind of like in a theological no man's land. But this is what Father Ratzinger wrote 
1956, Reflections on Tychonius's Conception of the Church. Now, Pope Benedict was a great student of St. Augustine, a great student, but my guess is, you know, he got onto this a half century before I even knew there was something worth studying, but the future Pope Benedict said, quote, the Antichrist belongs to the church, grows up in it, and with the great separation, that's the separation at the end of times, which Tychonius wrote about, which will be introduced by the ultimate revelation. So this is something that Pope Benedict wrote about in 1956. Then in 1958, he got in big trouble, uh, big trouble for speaking the truth. There's only so much truth that people want to hear. And in a 1958 lecture, uh, Father Ratzinger said this, the so-called Christian Europe for almost 400 years has become the birthplace of a new paganism. The Christian Europe is a new paganism, which is growing steadily in the heart of the church, threatens to undermine her from within. The outward shape of the modern church is determined essentially by the fact that in a totally new way, she has become the church of pagans and is constantly becoming even more so. She is no longer, as she once was, a church composed of pagans who have become Christians, but a church of pagans who still call themselves Christians, but have actually become pagans. Paganism resides today in the heart of the church herself, and precisely that is the characteristic of the church of our day and that of the new paganism, so that it is a matter of paganism in the church and of a church in whose heart paganism is living. This is straight out of Tychonius's view of the church. And this is why just two years after writing his essay on reflections on Tychonius' conception of the church, Father Ratzinger got a lot of heat for talking about the new pagans in the church. And by the way, you can get Father Ratzinger's 1958 essay online. It was a homiletic and pastoral review uh, and it was a lecture by Father Joseph Ratzinger, translated by Father Kenneth Baker. You can get that. Now, I just want to be fair, uh, not just picking on Europe, but remember that uh, Pope Benedict, before he became Pope Benedict, was head of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. And back before there was the internet and all this type of thing, there was a fax machine in that office. And that office got faxes from all over the world, but especially the United States, for the flood of reports on clerical sexual abuse. Cardinal Ratzinger back then mentioned to a friend that that fax machine was, quote, an open sewage pipe, unquote. Jesus said, beware. Cardinal Ratzinger, through Tychonius, became more aware of becoming 
aware of the threat within the church. And that's why his writings are so valuable, because not only is he pointing it out, but he's pointing the way out for the left side of the church, how to renew the church and rescue the church in a genuine new evangelism to try to reconcile these people. And then another what I call theological hint. He's not the neon... um, neon signage blinking and all this type of thing. And I know at times I'll raise my voice or pause or whatever, but he, you know, Pope Benedict in 2009 at his general audience on April 22nd, 2009, just dropped a bombshell. He called Tychonius, quote, a great theologian, unquote. Now, again, this is the guy in theological no man's land because the Donatists say, ah, the Catholic Church is apostate, there's nothing to it. And he wouldn't agree with that because he knew that there would always be a faithful part of the Catholic Church. Tychonius also knew there'd be a negative part, and the Catholics at that time didn't want to hear that. So he got basically booed by each side. But Pope Benedict, threading the needle, calls Tychonius a great theologian. And now here's something to really ponder. Pope Benedict has read the secrets of Fatima, the message of Fatima. And when he was on his way to Fatima in May of 2010, I think you can decode another theological hint that what Pope Benedict was saying about Fatima was in harmony with his assertion of Tychonius that the greatest evil for the church in the end times isn't the people who are going to be putting us to death. There will be martyrdom. But the greatest threat is the evil that resides in the church right alongside the good, the uh, abundance of good in the church. And this is what Pope Benedict said, and you might have read this, but my guess is you may not have ever heard of this theologian called Tychonius, and if you have heard of him, what he taught, and if you knew what he taught, you might have discounted it Pope Benedict didn't, Father Ratzinger didn't, and then here he's speaking a new word because the uh, Vatican official in charge of the Fatima message basically said it was all past, it's all fulfilled. And then Pope Benedict says, as for the new things that we find in this message today, the Fatima message, so what's new, what's different from simply saying it's all past? There is the fact that attacks on the Pope and the Church come not only from without, but the sufferings of the Church come precisely from within the Church, from the sin existing within the Church. This, too, is something we have always known. Yes, there's always been problems in the Church. Um, We were told to expect that, but today, he said, we are seeing it in a really terrifying way. 
that the greatest persecution of the church comes not from her enemies without, but arises from sin within the church. Now that was Pope Benedict's message in May 2010 on his way to Fatima. In 2009, just the year before, he's bringing up Tychonius, the great theologian. And again, um, I don't know why, but Pope Benedict was a subtle theologian. He, these are very bold statements, but when you put the context together, you can see what is happening. Now, I'd like to bring this back to faith and family. I would dare say one of my primary goals through the decade of the 2020s is trying to help parents and Christian families prepare their children to keep the faith since the majority of those in Protestant and Catholic churches are not keeping the faith. They're washing out in the teen years, college years or young adult years, but they are watching, washing out the majority and more than just a 51% majority. It's greater than that and it's going up. So how can parents prepare their children to keep the faith in the, in the face of this intense pressure and, and seductions by certain church leaders? Because a majority of Catholic youth, when polled, think that relations, active relations in same-sex marriage or homosexual relations or sex before marriage are okay. And yet we'll cheer the Pope and you know go to mass and that this is a disconnect. And there are two sides of the church. And this was warned about by Jesus, by our first pope, by St. Paul, and brought forcefully to our attention by Pope Benedict XVI. Jesus warned us to be on our guard and be aware of the dangers facing Christians, both outside and inside the church, and so did Pope Benedict. He faithfully did that, and the question simply for us is, Will we listen to Jesus and his faithful witness, Pope Benedict XVI? I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.